0: CDC is the only bank dedicated exclusively to entrepreneurs. That's why we're proud to support women entrepreneurs with the Thrive podcast, providing startup women with the support and resources they need to start and grow their business.
1: award-winning entrepreneur one of canada's most powerful women and startup canada's ambassador for women entrepreneurs this is your host janice mcdonald for the thrive podcast on the startup canada podcast network
2: Listening to the Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, a show inspiring, connecting, and educating women entrepreneurs across Canada. On this show, we connect you with leading innovators, changemakers, and organizations helping women to own it in entrepreneurship. The Thrive Podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community and voice for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. This podcast is presented in partnership with Business Development Bank of Canada, the only bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs. Make your way over to startupcan.ca forward slash podcasts to subscribe to the Thrive community and subscribe to listen to this podcast on iTunes and Google Play Music. I'm your host, Janice McDonald, President of the Beacon Agency and Startup Canada's Ambassador for Women Entrepreneurs. We're thrilled to have Mike Lee, president of fundica.com on the show today. Fundica is Canada's most successful traditional funding, identification and connection platform. It matches entrepreneurs, private investors, public funders and advisors through an award-winning crowdsourcing technology. Also, Fundica manages the Fundica Roadshow, an annual cross-Canada initiative designed to educate, inspire, and fund entrepreneurs. Mike is also the president of R&D Partners, a leading R&D funding consultancy. Previously, he was Director of Corporate Finance and Development in the BCE Group, where he led several successful R&D software firm acquisition, acquisitions and divestitures. Mike was named Entrepreneur of the Year in 2013 by CFO Canada and Quebec's Top 25 Emerging Entrepreneurs in 2013 by the Brompton Foundation. In 2015, thanks to his leadership, Fundika received the 2015 Startup Canada Award for Entrepreneur Promotion in the Quebec Region. Welcome to the show, Mike. Thank you, Janice. So let's start with the key message you hope our listeners can take away from our conversation today.
1: All right. Well, key message I have is really simple that, you know, funding is not something that should be a big mystery, not something you should be spending an enormous amount of time on something that really You should be able to identify and go for the funding that you're eligible for, assuming you're really at the stage where you can do that.
2: Okay, so it's not a mystery. You're going to help us demystify it, and you're going to help us uh, uh, understand. Trying. Yeah, and you're going to help us understand what what it means when you say at, you know being at the right stage. So why don't we start though with understanding more about Fundika. How did this start? Why are you doing it? And then you can share with us the support it provides for entrepreneurs.
1: Sure. So to kind of go back, I was really working with a lot of entrepreneurs in the, the funding space. And one thing we saw is that it was really a mystery as to what type of funding was available.
0: And without knowing what type of
1: funding was available, people didn't even know how to really go about it. What were the first steps in, in funding? So just over seven years ago, we started building internally uh, different spreadsheets um, and the like to help companies. And at first it was really large companies and fortunately they were kind of supporting us. They were they were paying us to actually identify all the different grants, tax credits uh, and loans that were available for them. So we quickly kind of realized that that works okay, one company at a time, uh, but if we really want to go further, we need to build a database. So the next thing we did is we put a few of those different companies together, the results we got into one database, um, and we that's kind of where it was born. From there, we quickly started to migrate to let's make this a web-based system, um, and uh, and 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 then funding became alive on the web. Um, what was really nice once it got to the web is that we actually now had funders that were coming in, they were updating their programs. We had entrepreneurs from all across Canada who are now looking to use it, which. In, in a lot of ways made it a lot easier because as the more people used it, both on the from the funder side and the entrepreneur side, the the better the data got uh, and the, the, the more information we had to deal with to make it that much more relevant and complete for entrepreneurs. So that was kind of the history. So we kind of started out not really with a big plan, but as we went along, we realized there was more we could do. Uh, and as we kind of come to today, the system is getting quite it's quite complete quite up to date but we're still working hard to get it more relevant and even easier to use
2: amazing so i've been on the website it is uh very easy to use it's it So straightforward. You say it's the most award-winning Canadian online funding tool, free, comprehensive, up-to-date, less than 30 seconds. So that takes uh, a lot of stress out of it, right? You're managing our expectations right at the beginning. I can find funding uh, and just fill in my information. But then also I see here you offer coast-to-coast funding events.
1: Yes. Yeah. So basically we started out and we were connecting people online And that was interesting and people were, you know, that could take people a certain distance. But in a lot of cases, people also wanted that face-to-face connection. And Mm. so as an extension, um, we decided, why don't we try something, you know, an event-based thing. So one year we just kind of came up with the idea, let's try doing some events. And uh, because we had a pretty good distribution list through people who had signed up through Fundika, we ran events the first time in five cities. And then over the last few years, we've gone up to 11 and 12 cities across Canada. And the idea is really to do what we do online, but in person. Uh, so it's a very complimentary type service. Again, the purpose is trying to make funding easier, faster, uh, and, and, and better for everybody.
2: So these events, would these be the Fundica Roadshow?
1: Yeah, so that'd be the Fundica Roadshow. Exactly. Okay.
2: So can you kind of walk us through if somebody says, "Wow, I didn't even know this existed. I want to come to a Fundica Roadshow. How how do people get involved? What are And then so that's the first thing and then secondly, what's it going to be like when I come to a Fundica Roadshow?"
1: Sure, good question. So the Fundica Roadshow again yeah, all about funding. There's really a few different types of participants. So the uh, the first type of participant are the ones who are looking to pitch the ones who really have an idea and they're looking for funding. So they would apply to pitch the competition. We typically right. select anywhere from 15 to 20 the last couple of years. We did a, a bit more the years before, but mm-hmm. we kind of sorted it down to about 15 to 20 per event. And so they would apply to pitch at that event. We, through a committee there would be a selection made and those entrepreneurs would be selected to pitch. Um, the second type of entrepreneur, are those who are either did not get accepted to pitch, uh, are interested in learning more about how funding works, um, perhaps other things as well. They just wanna kind of network, they wanna come out, learn a little more, perhaps be inspired. So they just come out as general participants. The third type of really participant in it are the funders. So the funders come out, they listen to the pitches. They actually often set up as part of the judging panel and they try to connect with obviously the most promising entrepreneurs depending on what they're looking for. So that's, and that's kind of the, the people who would come out to the event.
2: Okay. And I know you're going to tell us how the event works, but I do have a couple of questions in relation to that description that you gave. So people that want to just come out because either they They're not ready to pitch or they just want to learn more. They just want to network, et cetera. Is there a cost to participate in the Fundika Roadshows?
1: Yeah, so we truly try to make the event very accessible. So typically the cost is around $20 to $30, uh, at least historically. That's what we've been able to provide it at. We really provide it at the best cost possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we try to make it really easy, accessible, and get all types of entrepreneurs at all
2: different levels out Okay. That's great. And then when you say funders are attending as well, who and what are like, these are accredited funders. Can you just kind of expand a little bit on that sure. so people understand yeah. what you mean? So we really have everything
1: from, uh, funders being grant providers. So, uh, different government groups, municipal, provincial, federal, that are providing grants. Um, mm-hmm. obviously in each market, we'd have the local ones to that market. Um, mm-hmm. So those types of people would come out. We would have lenders, uh, groups like Futurepreneur, other kind of government lenders, as well as the private sector lenders. And then we would have um, the equity investors. So they would be typically venture capitalists or a representative from a um, an angel
2: group. This is a pretty powerful event to come out to. Yeah. I, and like full I stop, think you- right? <laughs> Entrepreneurs, <laughs> are you listening? You know, come out to the Fundica Roadshow.
1: Yeah, and we really try to make it fun, too. Uh, I think that's a big part of it, uh, as well as very educational. We, as, I think as we've gone on, what we learned is that what we're really trying to provide is not necessarily funding on the spot. That doesn't really yeah. happen except on TV, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we're really trying and to do is then, provide. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and even then,
2: yes. Yeah, after <laughs> due it, diligence, it's a whole other story. <laughs>
1: that, that's right. That's right. Um, so what we're really trying to do is provide education. You know, okay. how does it work? What should you do? What should you not do? Here are some people that did really well. Why did they do well? Here are some people that didn't do so well. What happened? So mm-hmm. really try to provide a lot of education so the entrepreneur knows where they're at. And it's always interesting to me when entrepreneurs leave the event, we, off, we do some exit surveys. A number of them realize they're not ready for funding. Great. They're just not there. But they realize, OK, I need to go back and do some a little more homework before I'm going to go be talking to one of these investors. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'm kind of happy that they learned it because that's the easy way to learn. It. The harder way is to go to all the investors. They all say no. Then you kind of go back and like, what the heck was I thinking? I, I mm-hmm. really wasn't prepared. And now it's going to be hard to go meet them a second time.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. So, okay, so you sign up, you pay your nominal fee, you come out. What can you expect? How 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 does the event actually kind of, again, I know it changes, but just kind of what what can people expect when they come? Sure. So it's a
1: full day event. Um, we kind of com- combine some, some speakers, so educational, inspirational, we try to mix those in. Uh, we have these pitches. We used to do the pitches in kind of private room, which was great because there's nice, like, candid feedback. But again, education being kind of a big part of our mandate. Now we've made them all live pitches. So they actually pitch on the main stage, you know, the, the 15 yeah. to 20 would pitch on the main stage. Um, so the entrepreneur coming out who's in, this, in the audience is going to see a bunch of pitches during the day, they're going to see some, some speakers. And then last year we added workshops. So on the side there's workshops. So the workshops could be on, you know, very specific aspects of funding. They could be on related things that will help you get funded as well. And they're really meant to be more kind of roll your sleeves up and kind of, you know, interactive type sessions. So those will go on on the side.
2: Wow. Oh, this is amazing. So number one uh, activity for anybody interested is head to the website.
1: Right. So the website would have everything. So we kind of split it. There's the online. So fundica.com where you'd you'd see what funding is available. And then for the roadshow as well, you'll be able to kind of go through that and that would have the information.
2: That's amazing. Now we are particularly focused in women entrepreneurs with the Thrive podcast. So how, um, how do you create uh, opportunities for women? Do you have specific uh, initiatives that you'd like to highlight? Yeah. So
1: we've had a lot of different, there's different women funding organizations across Canada, and we've been very fortunate to have them come out to our events. I'd say I'd seen a little bit more in Western Canada than Eastern Canada, but I'm sure Eastern Canada is coming along too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and to be honest, the women entrepreneurs have done very well on the roadshow. In fact, was it two years ago? Most of the winners were women, um, not most of the pitchers. So I would say if you actually looked at all the people pitching, it was probably, you know, still predominantly men, but the winners were women. So very proud of that. And I think at one point we had five cities in a row where a woman actually won.
2: Um, That's pretty exciting. So we're seeing a lot of growth there. And uh, tell me, Mike, uh, are the winners listed on the website? I've been on the website, but I didn't happen to see that. So um, is there a place where you list everybody who's been involved in the road shows? Certainly, they're kind of all
1: listed through the blog. We don't, and it's perhaps a good idea, Janice, something we should do. We don't actually have a list of all the winners in each city for every year and in, in, let's say, an uh, in, in easy to look in tab. So that's maybe a good idea, something we should do better.
2: Yeah, well, it's great too, if we know from the women entrepreneurs perspective, uh, role modeling is so critical, right? So if we see that through Fundica, there's five cities in a row where, you know, these women won, um, it it definitely can make you feel like, you know, wow, I better go for this too. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, so yeah, something to consider for sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: I think we want to celebrate all the winners. I mean, Hundred percent. Yeah, you know, get people out there. When if they, it's something for them. That's just another good reference point that could help them in their journey. And uh, and I think we've seen, which is really nice to see. We've had a great couple of great stories where people come in the first year they maybe didn't get a chance to pitch. Second year they pitched. Third year they won. And after that, they wanted to get funding. And one of them that got that last year, we actually brought him out as a speaker. You know, he actually went through exactly that process. And now he's got millions of dollars of funding. The business is doing very well. So Phil Cutler from Great Slam, a nice success story, but if you go way back to the very beginning, Mm -hmm. um, you know, he he didn't look the way he looks today. Things didn't work as well as they work today, but he was persistent um, and he improved year to year, which was really nice to see.
2: So uh, when uh, we think about funding and people have so many questions about it um, and I think exactly what you've indicated people, it's still mysterious in many senses. They don't know um, even how to think about it in some senses. So what should our listeners keep in mind when it comes to finding funding that's right for them and their business? What would be your expert advice, Mike?
1: Yeah. So my first advice when I speak to entrepreneurs is, um, I would say the pre-funding stage. So if there's kind of pre-funding and then going through funding and following these steps for me is probably the most important thing.
2: Okay. So the,
1: the first thing okay. is before you go for any kind of funding, be it government, be it uh, yep. you know, loans, be it equity, it's really to ensure that you kind of have a commercially viable product and market or product market fit. And these things don't take a lot of money to test. You test them as best you can. It's never perfect, but really figure out: Do I have some kind of solution that's actually going to satisfy market? Is is the market big enough? Can I actually make this happen? And and, and you know, work hard on that to kind of figure that out. Uh, and that may include doing a few different. Um, some people do that well through an accelerator. Others can do it well on their own. They're just going to do some some go through a kind of systematic approach of validating. Uh, their kind of hypothesis, their ideas uh, to get that, but try as best as possible to get that product market fit. Um, And the second thing is you need a team. There are certain ventures you can do on your own, very small ones, generally speaking, um, generally ones that don't need a lot of funding. But if you're going to go into any kind of significant funding, the uh, the funders are all going to look for a team. They're always going to look for okay. If that person can't be there tomorrow, who's going to take their place? Uh, so at least two people. And if you look at all, you know, uh, highly successful companies, there's always at least two founding members. So really build that team. The third thing, which is something that people don't like to talk about, and is you actually need a little bit of money before you go get money because. Most funding, even grants, you don't get it all up front. You get it as you go. So you need a little bit of funding. So either you have a part-time job or full-time job, uh, you do some bootstrapping, effectively doing some consulting or other work while you're actually building your solution. Perhaps you have some love money um, or perhaps maybe you've made money in the past, but you need some kind of money to get started so that you're not uh, you know, right right away desperately needing money to kind of continue day to day. So those three things really need to happen and in that kind of order, before you go into the, the funding steps, mind tune. So I kind of call that the pre-funding. Yeah. And I think nicely that's laid there. out
2: for people, right? It's yeah. like thank you. And, and some nice reality check there too. You're going to need some money, so start with the cushions, right? Find the change under the yes. cushions and build from there.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And then once you actually get into the funding there's kind of an order as well. So the first thing you want to go get is obviously the government funding. Funding. So you want to go get the government funding that makes sense for you. Um, I'm not saying apply to everything or all over the place. You probably want to apply just to a few programs, figure out the best ones, but go get that one. Because it's cheaper, because generally speaking, they ask for less. And uh, and to be fair, I think most companies, when they're starting out, they're looking to hire, and there's a, a fair number of wage subsidy programs out there, You know, grants for hiring, grants for young entrepreneurs. Not a huge amount, but there are some, so that's definitely the first place to look. Um, and I would include in there potentially even government kind of loans, which, um, you know, again, are less expensive than commercial loans. So that would be the first place to, to look. You may find there's something, you may find there's really not that much interesting, string or, or not enough. And if that's the case, then I'd go on to the next step, which should be go Wait, look can, at
2: can, I need banking. to ask you a question, though, on this, because this is really sure. important. So in terms of going for grants and, and government opportunities, as you've indicated as that first sort of step, um, do, is this uh, is all of that information available? What you might be able to access? Is this on Fundica?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So okay. in this funding stage, everything is there So, from the government Perfect. side to the private sector side to the you know, private sector lending to private sector equity. It's all on fundica.com.
2: Okay, perfect. I just want to make sure people understand when you're when you're offering saying these are kind of the steps, it's like, hey, just again, come to the Fundica website. You don't ask for a lot of info at the start. You just kind of put in some basic stuff and it opens up the world of opportunity. Is that correct? Exactly. Yes.
1: Yes. Okay.
2: So, um, all right. so I just want to clarify that, Mike. So keep going because this is really helpful stuff.
1: Sure, sure. So, um, so the next step would be really going to kind of the lending side, so the private lending side. What's interesting in this is that you either need assets or cash flow. Most startups don't have either one. Uh, they may be able to rely a bit on their their personal credit history or their personal assets. Um, so if they're open to that, this could be something they could, could use. But in a lot of cases, I, I've seen entrepreneurs, especially in let's say technology companies that are trying to grow rapidly, There's a limited amount of private sector loans available. Mm -hmm. So then if you have to, and only if you have to, because as we're going along in this, it's getting more expensive, more difficult, more time consuming. But if you have to, you go to the angels and the VCs, and they are by far the most expensive, the most demanding, um, and getting money from them, unlike what's portrayed in the media, is good and bad. It's not only good. Uh, you may get a lot of money, but they're going to put a lot of demands on you as well. And in many cases, they'll make the company go in perhaps a direction that the, the founders didn't really want to go in. Mm-hmm. So um, to go with that. But if you need that, that that's kind of the next step. But really, it's the last step. So if you go through all the pre-funding steps. You know, the market fit, the team, a little bit of cash in hand. Then you can start looking down at the government. Know, the government programs, the private sector loans, and then if you need to, and only if you need to, but, you know, we get into the, the private equity money or the angel investors and the venture
2: capitals. Okay. So uh, this is beautifully laid out. These are the steps that you take. So uh, give us a little more of a sense so we know, you know, what we can um, the, the way to kind of walk through these now, how do we figure out what's right? Um, so, you know, let's assume that we get to number three and we say, yes, maybe not VC ready, but, um, but angel ready. What, what looks like, um, a good, good relationship. How do we know, how do we know we're on our way to finding the right kind of angel partner?
1: Right. So I think with with all the funders and probably even most specifically with the angels is really trying to understand which one is the right one for you. So there's you know, probably thousands of angel investors out there in, in Canada.
2: Okay. Yeah.
1: But it's figuring out which one's the right one. So as a first step, it's kind of important to understand what they've done in the past. Uh, have they worked in your space? Do they understand it well? Have they invested in this space? So really working hard to understand what they're all about, especially with angels. So there's there's certainly some angels that do a lot of investing, but if you look closely, most cases they invest systematically in the same type of uh, a venture. So I would kind of at a, a first step really try to understand uh, the funder. And this would also apply if you're going for the government or you're going for the, the venture capital, but even more so for the angel who are very particular in
2: the way they like to invest. Okay. So do your homework first. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so looking for that kind of ideal match is helpful. So what should um, our listeners keep in mind when it comes to finding funding that's right for them in their business? Like what else um, do they need to know that maybe, they don't know or, or would be surprising or they haven't considered because they're a startup and a first-time entrepreneur?
1: Right. Okay. So I would say, you know, beside the part where I say like kind of moving through it systematically, which to me is the most important, you know, understand okay. the funder, a key thing probably perhaps obvious, but get a killer application or pitch in. It, it's okay. so important. Um, and to be honest, it's normally the first, you know, three, four minutes that the, Investor will make their decision. So make sure you're really coming sharp. You know what you're doing. You're, you're well prepared and you have a nice little pitch. And when I say pitch, I don't need a 50 page business plan. Um, generally speaking, we're talking, it's either going to be a face to face, you know, couple minutes, little first presentation mm-hmm. or else you may go to maybe a 10 page kind of PowerPoint deck as they call it, which would cover most of the aspects of the business. But that should be uh, really, something that's kind of killer, in my opinion. That that makes that's just an, an easy one to really get to the right level um, that, that everyone should have down. Um, the, the next thing I would say is really a win-win relationship. So, going to investor, you don't go on your knees begging. Uh, That doesn't work very well in in relationships either. Mm -hmm. Uh, You got to walk in as an equal and they have something they want to give. You have something you want to give. It's an exchange. It's a business transaction and you need to walk on their level. So even if they have hundreds of millions of dollars and you're just a little guy, you are equals and they need to feel that way if they're really going to establish a long-term relationship with you. So, um, that's, that's a key thing and they need to treat you with the same respect you treat them. Um, that that's so, so important. And it doesn't matter if you're a woman, a man, whatever it needs to be, uh, that way. And that's, that's a key thing. And I think that some young individuals are fantastic. They come in with a lot of poise, Um, And likewise, some older people sometimes do not have that. So you really need to kind of develop it. So you you walk in like, uh, you know, a win-win long term relationship. So that's another thing I would say is important in funding.
2: So we heard it here that every word and and slide counts so no waste right cut out the the wasteful stuff and get to the heart of it when you're thinking about setting the tone and those that that early pitch opportunity 10 slides max and no wasted words or or efforts is that exactly, right exactly yeah exactly yeah
1: be really strategic yeah and i think a lot of investors actually they make up their decisions very fast Um, And you're probably not, they don't wait till the end of the pitch deck to kind of think it all over and they've, after a few slides, they've kind of got at least a strong idea of which way they're going, Um, or even after the first few minutes of just speaking to someone. So yeah, reduce the waste, make it useful.
2: Yeah. So so with that in mind, what, so you've given us a couple of things, but what would be the top three things that you believe funders look for in an outstanding pitch? So yes, it's direct and it's to the point, but what are some other things that, that might be helpful for our listeners to understand?
1: Yeah. I like this. There's a guy in the States, a venture capitalist called Jeff Clavier. And he actually had a, you know, an interesting way of saying it. And I, I like that expression or the way he had it. So oh he kind God. of talked about the three asses you got to have the three asses and you know, mm-hmm. um, and I'm like, okay, it's, it's been, been memorable hearing it that way. So I've mm-hmm. remembered it. And the three asses he talks about are, you know, smart ass team. So really, and that's probably the most important thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I talked about before building a team, before you funding, it's the most important thing. A lot of teams fail on their first ideas, but the team stays together and they eventually succeed. Mm-hmm. So that'd be number one. The second one is a a big ass market and Mm -hmm. that one, sometimes people don't think about enough, but it really needs to be a a, a big ass market that you can access, that you can get, you know, make money from. Um, If you're going to venture capitalists, especially, they're going to look for, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars type market. So a big ass market, but even for a small business, you want to have a market that you are really big enough. And the third thing would be kind of kick ass product, right? So Mm -hmm. everyone likes a kick ass product. and, uh, so those would be my three things. And I'm kind of borrowing off, uh, Jeff Clavier, who I think said it pretty well. So the, the three asses. I thought it,
2: I thought it, you were going somewhere like three <laughs> stooges with it, but no, it's not curly and mo, et cetera. This is, this is just a, another way of saying monster idea and the right team. And, um, what was the third one?
1: and a and great product
2: yeah great product okay yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and I think that's great these are the top three things and if you if you know you have those um, then you can walk in with that confidence and he, and you spent the time on on being pitch ready
1: right right right
2: and so I know you've given us a sense of and I and I loved how you phrased it this the respect on both sides and understanding that in order for the entrepreneur funder relationship to truly work, it has to be taking that long-term view, but also has to be balanced. Mm-hmm. So, but how actually, given that there really is a power in balance in a sense, right? You're coming cap in hand, asking for money. How, how do you ensure that your relationship is healthy right from day one? What are some of the things that can kind of help maintain that ideal balance that you've recommended?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that's part of the art of it, right? That's that's the challenge is that you've mm-hmm. got to get them excited pretty early on. So they're suddenly the the pal, you know, there's a bit more balance in, in the power. they got to think of you as, hey, there's other potential investors who are lining up as well. So there's some kind of created competition out there.
0: Right.
2: Always better when other people want it too.
1: Right. Right. And and I think you Mm need to be upfront too. Like you tell the the funder you're speaking with, Hey, we'd really like to work with you, but it's not, you know, but I am talking to other people. Right. So, um, uh, so, you know, it's time to get lined up. I think there's a little bit as well of, uh, kind of the art of the clothes where, and I've seen some entrepreneurs do this very, very well, where um, you know they have some great hires, they need money to, to hire. They have the great opportunity with a you know a prospect that's come up, um, or, or some other trigger that actually brings us, so they're bringing this to a close early on, so they actually can get this person engaged early on. If it goes on often too long and you know no one's closing, then it just seems like well maybe I never need to close or I never need to invest or like so if there's kind of triggers that can help mm. close it. That's an important thing, too to and once the money's in, then it's easier for the relationship in, in some ways to keep going in a you know more kind of let's say power balanced manner.
2: Mm-hmm. So, that makes sense. Things. yeah, mm-hmm. so look for, look for those um, kind of triggers that will uh, bring people to the table and kind of also force that close. That there's a timing Mm -hmm. issue or something. Okay, that's really very helpful. So go ahead. As natural as possible, of course. You know, that's (laughs) That's the hard part. Exactly. Not to say that, you know, the the moons are aligned and this is your right time or something like that. We're talking about real. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so um, what else can you tell us about Fundica that we don't already know? And if, you know, what else do you want to cover for our listeners today about about what you're up to and what the site offers? Sure. So we kind of go back to
1: the site. The site's quite simple. Right, you go and you'll put in your your basic. We call it the core information, which generally doesn't change much. Your postal code, uh, the industries you're in, and a few other pieces of information put that in, then you'll go see your results. So you'll see everything from grants to tax credits, the loan, the loan guarantee, equity, we even have advisors in there, which is really, we're in the beta phase we're, we're trying different things there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll see all this. what I would say is important is there's also additional filters. And these are filters are based more on your needs. And when you go in, go to those filters right away. And these filters, you'll you'll probably adjust with time. Are you hiring? Are you hiring an intern? For how long? Are you exporting? Are you developing products? Are you looking to build a strategic relationship? Are you doing collaborative development or working with the university? So these are things that are pretty important in determining what kind of funding is available, particularly for grants and tax credits. So I would play around with these filters. I would see what's there. But of course, I would always do it based on what you're looking to do from a business perspective and not like, oh, look, there's a great grant here. I'll change my business model to go get this grant. So, uh, you know, but I would I would kind of look around to see what may fit for you. So kind of go through the system, make sure you use the filters, explore down on the programs before applying or before going too far. There's still a little bit of research needs to be done. So I would check the contact information is there. I would check before filling out any kind of forms. Is there actual funding? So I would do a little kind of courtesy phone call. A lot of programs change pretty quickly. Mm. Uh, courtesy phone call. Is there any money? Is there anything I should know? Talk to them. If everything's, it's all good, then go through the application. That's uh, smart. Go through. So those are kind of some of the little things I would suggest um, to do. And as I mentioned before, I wouldn't apply to you know, 10 or 20 programs that that you suddenly changed your business model unwillingly perhaps, but you now become a, you know, a grant seeking agency instead Mm -hmm. of a business that's (laughs) looking for a couple of grants. So uh, I would really, you know, kind of focus on the ones that make the most sense. And often it's pretty clear in Fundica, you'll see it, you know, you get 75% of salary, you'll get 50% of the salary, you'll get 10% of the salary. So clearly go for the one where you want to get 75% of the salary. It's, It's a pretty... Often very obvious ones, which ones you go for. Um, so those would be kind of my little tips about how to use the system in the best way possible.
2: And um, what about, so we know what to do if online. So do you have people that are available if somebody wants to actually call and talk to you about it? Is that also something that's available? Yeah, so we've
1: kind of made it a, a few different ways people can actually get answered questions for mm-hmm answer get answers to questions you're looking for uh one of them is below each program now we've actually set it up so you can go back to the funder and easily ask them a question the form's actually pre-filled out so you can get back to them of course you can that's contact amazing. them that's amazing okay awesome yeah, so we really try to keep the loop moving so yeah you can go back to the funder and, mm-hmm. and that's good for the entrepreneur and, and frankly it's good for yeah. us as well because it's another feedback mechanism
2: yeah and so it shortens we, the whole ideally right it shortens yes. the whole uh yeah, yeah. question and answer so, okay
1: yeah, so there's that. Our phone is on there. If you have any questions, you can contact us. And we've also set up a list of advisors. So this is something that was not there at the beginning. The list of advisors is by no means complete. Um, it's anyone who's signed up. So we have now thousands of individuals who have signed up. I would say a lot of lawyers, accountants, um, funders, in some cases have signed up as advisors as well. So anyone who is an advisor is welcome to go sign up there. We That's an area that we... We don't monitor the same way as we do all the funding programs. Mm-hmm. We're really kind of experimenting with. Again, you're trying to. we're trying to filter based on getting the best advisor for the entrepreneur coming in. Um, and so you're welcome to go contact one of them. So that's a, another way as well. So, you know, you can go to the bottom of the form. You can call us or you can actually go in um, and, and look for an advisor there.
2: So any other last advice you'd like to offer to our listeners?
1: I think we went through quite a bit, Janice. Um, I would say that, you know, come back to the following the steps, um, you know, use the tools out there like Fundika as much as possible, um, you know, be very smart about which funders you go to, like really do your, your homework before going to them, and mm-hmm. if possible, get introduced to them. Um, you know, I, I think funding is something as well that people need to look at is, it's not you get lucky and you move on, that's kind of the way it's written about. It's more of you learn, you learn, you learn, you learn, you figure out you know, where you're going through your business, you figure out what you're doing, and then it should just kind of come into its own with time. So um, if it's extremely, extremely hard to get the funding, it may be because we've got to go a few steps back up and say, okay, do I really have the right product? Do I really have the right team? Uh, if all these things start flowing pretty well, um, there's still work to be done on the funding, but it, the funding should come along in a much more, in um, a much more national way. You know, at least hopefully, it should be that way.
2: Well, the piece of advice I would offer is go to Fundica.com because you're going to find out everything you need to. To know, including uh, everything about the Fundika Roadshow, which I think sounds like a tremendous opportunity. It's an annual cross-Canada initiative. Clearly, as Mike has indicated, it's designed to educate, inspire, and fund entrepreneurs. So, Uh, take the first step again fundica.com we have been speaking with mike lee he's the president of fundica.com and clearly an expert in funding entrepreneurship r&d and so mike thank you so much for your insightful and informative conversation for us today
1: well thank you janice it's been great speaking with you
2: Thank you for joining us this week on the Thrive Podcast, a show inspiring, connecting and educating women entrepreneurs across Canada. Visit StartupCan.ca forward slash women to find resources designed to support thriving women-owned businesses across Canada. And visit StartupCan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast hosted by Rivers Corbett and to learn about the latest startup community news and events like our popular startup chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12pm Eastern. Until next time, I'm Janice McDonald, leaving you now with a sneak peek of our next episode.
0: This is Megan Cornell, CEO and lawyer at Momentum Business Law, and you are listening to The Thrive Podcast with Janice McDonald.
2: So that's really important for our listeners to understand, choosing a lawyer that you're going to work with, not only to start, but to operate and grow and scale and all of that. Um, You want somebody that you feel comfortable with, that you have a rapport with, and that, as you've mentioned, it's okay to interview several different ones. You're supposed to, you know, you need to see them as a strategic partner, would you say? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, And I have three key factors that... Um, I think a startup should look for in a legal team okay. and then I have another piece of, of advice that I'll throw in at the end. Um, But these three factors really are framed around the three biggest complaints against lawyers. And we know what they are. Our governing body collects complaints about us and tells us regularly what clients are complaining about. So these three things are what you should look for because they genuinely are what what some uh, legal teams fail to deliver so the first is communication so looking for a team which communicates well with you and that you know, it's important that that's not just about how they like to communicate, but how you like to receive communications. Right. So what you need. Yeah. So was Mm -hmm. it, you know, was it easy to get an initial consultation set up? Mm -hmm. Are they open to alternative meeting options? If you're, you know, in a a remote community that doesn't have easy access to business law expertise, are they willing Mm -hmm. to have web meetings or do you live around the corner from them? But you frankly prefer to meet with them on Skype. You know, like are, are they approachable um, in terms of alternate ways to get in contact with them do they respond to you within you know I, I think 24 hours is a pretty reasonable time expectation for a client to have if they take weeks to even reply to an email from you you're probably going to have ongoing communication problems with them